Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, Unpacking Organizations, where Rupert and I talk about our passion topics. Unpacking Organizations, the Practitioner's Podcast. Sponsored by OrgView. See tomorrow's business today. So today's topic, I've been thinking about, like, I've been listening to all these places where there continues to be layoffs. There continues to be organization transformations in the news that's coming up. And um, I think inherently my hypothesis is that organizations wants to simplify and streamline their processes, their operations, their ways of working. And they want to get the cost out by doing that. But one part of the cost is also in order to simplify these operations and these processes is to ensure that there is faster decision making and there is less and less meetings that go behind the scenes in alignment and all that. And there is more clarity about who is making decisions and things like that. And so in your book, there's a there's a whole concept about bureaucracy index, which I found very fascinating. And what do you think about that? Like, what is bureaucracy? Why it comes into the way of organizational simplification? Why it makes things complex? And how do we, I, how do we actually quantify it? Because many times we say that, like as a hypothesis, we say that that's a symptom, that we make too many meetings to arrive at a decision. But we cannot... Pin the uh, like, you know, put a needle on it and say that what exactly is happening. So, what do you think about it, Rupert? So, it's 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 an interesting one because when you, when you thinking of decisions, th- there are certain decisions that have a huge impact and are irreversible and don't happen very often. And decisions where there's an intrinsic conflict between different parts of the business a classic example is sales and supply chain sales want short lead times and short run lengths and supply chain want long run lengths and long lead times and and and, and so there's a there's a conflict and that conflict is healthy right and to be surfaced and therefore certain decisions require multiple people to approve and to reach agreement um, and, 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 and there are other times when the impact of the decision is relatively minor and it's reversible and you're doing it a lot, it's frequent. And so it's having an appropriate level of control on the right things. I think it's a good distinction, uh, Rupert, that, you know, there are different types of decision and we cannot apply the same framework both ways. Some decisions do need different parties to be involved so that we are we are bringing the diversity of ideas and we are bringing, that, bringing both sides of the decision-making um, opinions into the process and create that healthy tension. But there are times which are, to your point, reversible, where we really don't have to be so regimented in taking yeah. those decisions. And I just yeah. wanted to highlight that point. Yeah. yeah. And, and and so we in, within the activity analysis, we, we, we go back to RAD. So who's responsible for making the decision right. um, and doing the work? And then the A is who are the approvers? And, and, and typically the approvers have got veto power. 
really so involved in that decision and, and, and have to agree or reach a consensus. And then the, the D is for do, who needs to do. So in this discussion, we're focused on the R and the D. And when we, when we do a baseline and we say, well, how does it work today? And you look at the decisions and you say, well, how many different roles and how many functions and subfunctions are involved in that decision? And we call that the negotiation index. So how many different people are involved? So we can, we can quantify that. We can count that. And then the how far, high up do you have to escalate? So the person responsible have to go two or three levels because we know the hierarchy of the organization. You, you know how many layers up you need to go to get the decision made. So imagine, you know, you're four levels from the CEO and the CEO has to make a decision. It's, it's four steps. Which which is adds a lot of takes away a lot of nimbleness and you're compounding the pressure in, into one bottleneck, and so that combined those two scores gives you, you know, a score on how bureaucratic that decision is, and then and then you overlay that and say, well, is that right? And and when we baseline the as is, it, you know, organisations because things just evolve and people like to attract power and say, well, I should be involved in the decisions. And over time, it, be it becomes a mess. As, as businesses grow, you, you, you create this. So when you baseline, you can then quantify the number and even just looking at the number of approvers. And, and if you have one person approving, that's, that's zero conversation. You just talk to yourself. If there's Shut up! It's you and I, and we need to approve it. There's, there's one conversation for the for everyone else. There's, there's two people to lobby, but as you scale that, it becomes a lot bigger, right? So if you have four approvers, then mathematically there are six conversations. There, so then sub meetings, pre meetings. But imagine you've got six approvers, which is not uncommon. That's fifteen possible conversations different people talking to different people, meetings about meetings, meetings before meetings. And that, it's this huge hidden cost. And, and then, you, and then and, and people put all these platitudes out there all the time. We have to empower our people and we need to move fast. We need to be nimble. We need to be agile. So all of these platitudes are thrown out constantly. And then, you know, you, you, you do an as is and you say, well, hang on, you you got so many different people from so many different needing to approve all of these things or think they are, are responsible for approving. And hence you just slow down and, and, and you're stuck. And, you know, it, it, it's also think about how hard it is to get six people, their agendas to align and even get them together. It's extremely time consuming. It's take almost impossible. Almost it takes impossible. months. Yeah. It takes months to get the 30 minutes on their calendars. And yeah. if it is in-person meeting, it's almost impossible. Exactly. And I think, I would like to just go a little bit deeper on this, that what perpetuates this culture and why, why we get to that point where we need six approvers for a reversible decision to be made. And sometimes I feel that it is that culture where we don't really forgive small mistakes. Everything has to be perfected and people don't do these meetings before meetings actually to make get to a right decision, but actually to save their backs. And so that is an underlying culture, which I feel that leaders have to start um, 
very, very um, role modeling. They should start role modeling about that they are okay to take some mistakes if they are reversible, if they are like, you know, not that costly mistakes. It's okay to evolve to that place where we are taking faster decisions without involving like five other people. It's, or it's a great point. People. I mean, it, it, it might be that the person responsible wants six approvers. Like who's, who's driving it? I, I think it's a, it's a great point you make, which is right. I, I'm, I need to cover my, my backside. And so I'm getting everyone to sign right. off on this thing because I know that if I don't, I'm toast. Exactly. Um, I think it's, it's quite interesting when, when I'm coaching rugby and, and kids make mistakes, I, I talk about positive mistakes. So if, if you're, say, in attack and you, you do something that's risky, like you, you make a, a difficult pass, but if it comes off, then you're going to, you know, in rugby, when you, you score, it's called a try. And, you know, often it fails, right? But it's a positive mistake. You've tried something with positive intent. That, that's to be celebrated. But, and again, all these platitudes... Oh, we, you know, people say, of course, but you, but clearly people are failing here and, and people feel that. But I also think we can't just blame leaders. It's too easy. To, uh, you know, obviously leaders need to lead and they need to create that environment. But often people need courage as well. Like stand up and I think it's, it's a two-way street, right? It's not just... 100%. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a um, virtuous cycle that feeds over each other. When people show courage, leaders then, some like most of the time, protects them. And then when leaders yeah. protect and create that safe environment, people find more courage yeah. to show up. And so that is extremely, I think, important in this decision-making process that we create that underlying culture for people and for leaders. And, and, and the, the design process you can encode that to a degree, right? And you can talk about it. So we talked about design principles. You can have principles. You can say, you know, we want decisions at most to be two approvers. Now you might break that by exception, but at most two approvers. Um, we want the check, you know, or, or you might say at most three because you need, but you have a principle. Now you could say, and we want 90% of our decisions to be one person approving it, you know, and, and then, and, and, and why do you need an approval? The person responsible should be approved. And, and by the way, in the RAD model, if there's no A, that means the R is the A. I mean, it's right. And, and so we give you responsibility. We give you responsibility for the decision, you know, and, and, and so I think creating those design rules and, and limiting it and, and then, the communication that, that goes back to Howip and the communication saying, we have changed. These are now, you're responsible and you're making these decisions and all these decisions you're making with these people. And that gets you into the give get and you design it. And, and there's change management with that because it means this is the way it's going to work. And again, don't let, you know, perfection be the enemy of the good. Um, and I think Shredder, you, you say quite often, like it doesn't matter how much effort we put into our org design it's not going to be perfect and that's fine so you, it needs to be living this and you know if you get it wrong and you give too much leeway and the mistakes that are being made are damaging then you know pair it back then add a bit more control and if the control is not necessary that you designed and like hang on we've got this we've got 
routines we we know then then take away the a's i would say that you you made that point that i would say that start with just one a, like just one approver and only by exception add more that would be my takeaway like that just have that kind of a pressure testing or stress testing into your process that can we live with just a single approver and um, go from there that how many more that you need to add rather than start with six and taking out few and reaching at three so that would be something that i would say that but it's it's extremely important to also think about what is causing bureaucracy in our organization and most often it's the number of approvers so let's start there as well right like many a times it's not about five different functions getting together it's about because there are five different approvers getting together yeah. um and that creates my my takeaway is actually your culture point mm. um i mean culture as as famously said culture eats strategy for breakfast yes culture is everything and I think this gets to culture. I think your point about this is being about culture and actually thinking about it with that lens. What kind of culture are you trying to create? And therefore, look where the A's are and be thoughtful about that, I think, is um, is a really nice thought. So, so thank you for that, Shraddha. And uh, everyone, hopefully you've enjoyed this and I um, hope you're you surprised that bureaucracy isn't as boring as um, you might have thought. <laughs> so uh, until next time, Shraddha, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Rupert. Until next time. Bye now. Bye.